Peter, uh, we're very happy that you organized the Multiple Ink exhibition at Marion Goodman Gallery in New York for us. I would love to have seen you there in New York, but unfortunately it's not possible. You're in Zurich, I'm in LA. And we're talking about the show today that um, covers the years 1965 all the way up to 1992. I remember like in many conversations with Marion, she always mentioned the first thing that happened in her life in terms of art. And she mentioned the fundraiser she organized for the Walden School of her kids, uh, where she invited Franz Klein and, um, and also de Kooning. And that happened around the 1960s and shortly after Marion Goodman started her endeavor. So the Multiple Ink Show is on one hand like an art historical lesson, on the other hand a very personal history. And so maybe we should start with the personal history. Can you elaborate a little bit how everything started? Well, everything has a, pre, has a prelude, a prehistory. And in the case of multiples, it was the so-called Betsy Ross Flag and Banner Company, which was founded in 1963 by a group of people, mainly by Barbara Kulicke, with the idea to produce, to commission banners from artists, banners to decorate homes, to sell uh, banners instead of paintings or drawings uh, to, to, to customers, to, to collectors. And very soon, in 1964, Marion joined this group because she was a friend of Barbara Kulikus. And Marion had this background. She had done this small show at the school with Franz Klein, which sold out, which was a success. She had done a little portfolio of very cheap prints. And she was looking, as a graduate from Columbia, she was looking for a place in the art world, a place where she could make a living for her and her two children. So this was difficult because museums didn't hire women at the time. The gallery world, world was also very closed. And Barbara Kulik's invitation to collaborate with the Betsy Ross Flag and Banner Company was like an entry into this new world. And this company lasted until 1965 mostly, but the production of banners went on. And in 1965, the same group of people founded Multiples Incorporated. And Marion was the driving force behind this. She was speaking to European artist Daniel Spurry, who had launched such an edition a few years ago in Paris, and she got it together, and the five of them started, but soon after there were only three left, and Marion became more and more the head, the face of multiples. I think it's really interesting. The multiple as such was very popular, especially in the late 60s and early 70s, and I'm sure we will talk about that. But what Marion once said is also that the notion of the multiple, or the reason why she was interested in multiples, was because it was very close to a socialist idea that art should be accessible. And maybe before we start talking about the history of the multiples and why the multiples became all of a sudden so popular in the 60s, what is the, the backstory or how did it, um, how did the idea and the notion of uh, reproductive art start? I mean, the idea that art can be reproduced, multiplied, distributed in many ways is quite old since the fact that you can cast sculptures, for instance, or that you're doing prints. And this has been uh, an age-long history. But mainly in the early 20th century, when this generation of artists, of modernist artists came up, they, the idea was close to have not only an original work, the original work was less of importance, but to have a work which from the beginning was conceived as something which could be distributed uh, to, to, to a new audience. And maybe one of the great examples is Marcel Duchamp, who conceived of a kind of a museum in a box with his whole oeuvre. And every oeuvre, had, uh, every work of his, 
was reproduced for this for this project. This was like uh, like a prototype in the 30s and the 40s, which he uh, which he did. And then, of course, came uh, in the in the early 60s or in the late 50s the idea of the kinetic artwork, the, the artwork which could, would be moving, which people could change, modify, transform, and so on. And Daniel Spurry in Switzerland or in Paris at the time, he founded an edition where every work was multiplied, but at the same time it was different. Every copy of the work was different from the other, and the artist had to think of works which could be easily multiplied and at the same time modified by, 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 by their users, by their, by, their, by their purchasers. And I think this was a quite a revolutionary idea, not only to have the multiplication, but also to have a work which was uh, transformable. And I think this was very influential this new Spurry edition Mart was shown even at the Museum of Modern Art in 1965 and Marion and her friends of course were seeing these, these things and they wanted to distribute them, to introduce them to the US. This was one of the first elements which triggered the idea of, the, of doing a multiple company. I think that's really interesting that you mentioned Marcel Duchamp because Marcel Duchamp in 1963 he had the big retrospective on the, west, on, the, on the west coast in Pasadena. And then a year later, Arturo Schwartz released all the multiples, uh, the additions of the ready-mades he made. And I think, um, I also know that Marion Goodman, when she started with Multiple Inc., she was contacting Marcel Duchamp and went to his home and asked him if he's willing to do another multiple for her, but he was done after Arturo Schwartz. Do you know more about that? Or do you think Marcel Duchamp uh, his multiple history of the or revival of the 60s uh, had to do also with the, the start and the advent of multiple ink? Of course, he was the father figure which was still, who was still present and even he was in New York. And the other father figure, figure was Man Ray, who was not in New York, mostly in Paris, but Man Ray accepted to do a multiple for this young company in 1966. So at least one of the father figures uh, was really present from the beginning with this new edition. It's interesting that Marion, she opened the space on 19, in 1965 on Madison Avenue, and it was one of the first uh, multiple galleries. Let's maybe talk about the first releases. One of the most prominent ones that we still talk about, or people still talk about today, is Forum Plexiglass from 1966. She asked four artists, Philip Guston, Barnett Newman, Klaus Oldenburg, and Larry Rivers, a quite eclectic mix to, to create four works or like one work each on plexiglass. I think what's really remarkable about that, this is kind of the starting point um, of her career as a multiple producer. And I think what's really remarkable is that it's extremely eclectic. It's like abstract expressionism and pop art coexisting at the same time. That's one thing. But then on the other hand also, it feels like the four multiples are extremely powerful and works of art as such and not supplementary in any way. Can you talk a little bit about how it started with the four and plexiglass and what it meant at the time? Well, the interesting thing is when the multiple gallery opened in December 1965, multiples the company didn't have own editions. All they were showing at this opening ex exhibition were multiples which were already produced by other New Yorker, New York editions or works imported from Europe or uh, just works which they had from, from uh, like jewelry, from Robert Kulike and so on. So uh, 
at the, at, the, at the opening, nothing of their own was present. And of course, it was urgent to do something. And they started at the same time to commission these four artists. And I think the, the selection, this very erratic selection of artists, uh, Philip Guston, Barnett Newman, Larry Rivers, and Klaus Oldenburg, it mostly came from the acquaintances and the friendships Marion already had with artists because her thing was with the banners already to contact the artists who worked with the artists and she was the closest to the artists and so she selected from her circle these, these four. And uh, Newman and Gaston of course were very far from plexiglass. This was not their material, they were used to canvas and to, and to oil paint. But uh, they took up the challenge and they produced two works which were silkscreened on plexiglass surfaces Whereas for Larry Rivers, who did kind of a collage, it was already closer. And even for Oldenburg, who did a va vacuum formed uh, type work, I mean, he used the full range of the possibilities of this new material. And uh, plexiglass was really the material of the 60s and early 70s. You can count endless the artists which have used this material. It was really in fashion because also it was so far away from classical painting materials. I think it was cold, it was smooth, it was, it was really the contrary of what had been used before. And the funny, uh, just to tell this anecdote, among the four artists chosen, Oldenburg, when he received the addition of four plexiglass, he used the Gusten plexiglass as a palette to work. <laughs> he used it as studio material, he didn't consider it art. <laughs> Do you know more about where the multiples were made and who was working on them and how high the addition was at the time and if they produced all of them? Once uh, they started really producing in 1966 and on, they had to find manufacturers because, as I said, these were not art materials. This was plexi, this was uh, cloth, this was um, various metals. There, weren't this new, there was this new printing technique of silkscreen, which still had to be a little bit established. And Marion and her colleagues were going through Manhattan, and Manhattan was still a, was a wonderful place, think of Canal Street, to find all kinds of materials, of stuff, of small manufacturers which were far from the art world. So, for instance, when they, when they were doing the jewelry in 1968 with Roy Lichtenstein and Jack Youngerman, they found a manufacturer who did batches for the US Army, and he did this jewelry for them. So, you see how far they go. <laughs> well, I think. Um, foreign plexiglass was kind of the beginning. One very important and also prominent multiple group that she created was a box. It was a multiple box titled Artists and Photographs in 1970. Unfortunately, commercially, it wasn't successful at all and it took too much storage space. But what was remarkable about it was Marion kind of captured um, by inviting like 19 artists who use photography in a different way or have a different attitude towards photography and are mostly conceptual artists and land artists. She um, captured like a moment in time uh, that was remarkable and it actually was finished before Kinesen Magshine's famous information show at MoMA opened. It was like an early attempt um, to also distribute like a high number of editions out in the world when they did these multiples between 1966 and 1970, the artists they chose were on the one hand the pop artists, and on the other hand the, they were the op art artists, which had been uh, featured in the Responsive Eye exhibition at Museum of Modern, Modern Art in 1965. 
and for the op artist and for the pop artists, the new medium of a box, doing a multiple in a box-like form was really wonderful. A box could, uh, could represent so many things, you could pack so much in, into a box. There were, no, there were very few prints, most of things were three-dimensional, were object-like. And I think this really fulfilled the needs and the ideas of the artists of that generation. When Marin conceived artists and photographs, she had artists of a new generation, a generation which was already after pop and after op art and after all these uh, 60s tendencies. And these artists had no use for a box or for a kind of a silk screen or whatever. These artists were looking for new means, for new media. They were like going beyond the categories which art had before of three-dimensional, two-dimensional and so on. And she discovered quite uh, rightly that most of them had an interest in photography. But uh, contrary to the classical photography where you have a vintage print in a frame, these artists were using photography like a brush or like a hammer and a nail as an instrument, as a tool. And for this, they didn't need an expensive uh, kind of reproduction. They could use simple offset prints in order to distribute their works into the world. So for the box artists and photo photograph, um, Marion had, including artists who did little booklets like Edward Rocher or Dan Graham, who wrote an essay illustrated by his new work, Alan Capro documenting his uh, happening work, or Robert Smithson using a photograph which was torn apart in order to demonstrate uh, his ideas about the uh, entropy. Solovit had a, a photograph which slowly developed when you pulled it out of its envelope. Robert Morris had a documentation of his show at the Castelli warehouse. So everyone used the photography in a, in a different sense, but the photographs could be, as I said, cheaply, repro cheaply reproduced and put into this box. And this box with all these works together cost $100, so it was a lot of content for little money. But it was not so much appreciated. The box was there, but commercially it was very hard to bring 1,200 copies into the world. The, the audience still was not there for such a number of examples, I think. I think what's, what you mentioned is really interesting that, you know, the eclecticism also of Marion's practice in the very beginning. And of, of course, the 60s were a very transitional period where, you know, op art, you mentioned, responsify, post-minimalism, minimalism, pop art. You have like, that's the art history lesson I was talking about in the very beginning that you have with all the multiples if you look at the history. What's interesting is um, shortly before Marion released uh, Artists and Photographs in 1968, she went to Europe to see Documenta 4, um, together with gallerist Paul Mentz, who was a friend of hers and who also designed the logo and then later became a gallerist. And that was that trip in 1968, I think, was really meaningful for her because after that, especially when Marion opens the gallery, and we will talk about that, she uh, has this special focus on European artists, or let's say on the transatlantic exchange between the artists. Going back to artists and photographs, Five years after the box, she published a portfolio with seven artists and the majority of the artists, four, came from Europe and that was in 1975. Um, and it's when, you, when we look back and talk, think about Europe in the 70s, we know that the standardized narrative is that the Boys exhibition at the Guggenheim in 79 was like the marker when, for example, Boys 
of course there was René Bloch before that, but that was the moment when like German art reappeared on the American continent. And I think Marin was really ahead of the curve. Do you think this portfolio has some special meaning in terms of what Marion's gallery will stand for and in, for the future? Well, the exchange on the level of multiples between Europe and the US was very strong, very important. As I said before, Daniel Spurry was the one who brought the multiples to the U United States. And then there were numerous editions which were, uh, which were created, which were born in Europe in the late 60s and the early 70s. And Marion distributed quite a number of these, of these European editions. Also, there was a multiple art fair in Berlin in 1972, another one in 1973, and multiples was represented there. And I think on these occasions, very important friendships were cemented with, with Europe. On the one hand, there was the, the surrealist critic Nicola Kalla and his wife, who were, who were based in New York. They were close friends of Marion's, and they brought in I think uh, a little bit of the Paris of the surrealist spirit. You can see this in the Mirrors of the Mind portfolio, where Man Ray again and Merit Oppenheim appear. And on the other hand, there was René Bloch in Berlin. Marion distributed uh, his, uh, his editions. And in 1973, Bloch approached Marion and proposed to her to co-produce a Joseph Beuys multiple. And I think this was the first appearance of Beuys on the American market, because before he was maybe a mystery, a rumor, but he was not really there. And René Bloch, he told me, for him it was too expensive to produce this quite um, uh, ambitious multiple, and with the help of multiples they could do it together, and Beuys was shown in Berlin as usual, but then as, as well newly in, in New York. And I think the, the friendship with René Bloch also brought up the friendship with Richard Hamilton in England, and Richard Hamilton, who had also a certain presence in the United States, he's shown in the Guggenheim in 1973. And through Richard, Richard Hamilton, Marion got to know Marcel Brodars because Hamilton was very close to Brodars. And I think that was the main introduction. Marion did not choose to show Hamilton at her gallery, but she chose afterwards to, uh, to show Marcel Brodars posthumously when she opened then her real gallery in 1977. Dieter, the, the gallery published a wonderful catalogue with a very comprehensive essay and a list of all the multiples published. Um, let's talk a little bit about the exhibition. How is the, what, what can you see in the exhibition? How many multiples are assembled? How is the exhibition organized? Uh, I mean, the exhibition shows a selection of the multiples works, but luckily there is the catalogue because it has not only the history of the, the edition, but it also has a complete catalogue of all the editions and I think there are hundreds and hundreds, and I think up to now nobody has covered this, and this will be a real resource to work with. If you have to look up an artist, you'll find now all the, all the, the precise documents in, in this catalogue. Well, Dieter, thank you so much. That was fun. Thank you. I would have preferred to do it in New York with a walkthrough and like with a personal drink afterwards, but uh, it's better than nothing. Cheers, at least, on the show. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you.